Hey, did you hear about the corduroy pillows? No. Yeah, they're making headlines. Oh! <laughs> you know, a news headline I'd like to see, podcast host kills other co-host over dad jokes. <laughs> Ooh, I can see the TV movie version right now airing on CBS. You'd obviously be played by Dom DeLuise. Oh, of course, yes, it would be an honor. <laughs> well, I think you'd be played by the dad from the Wonder Years. Ooh, I always did have a soft spot for his grumbles. <sighs> you know what doesn't make me grumble though? TV movies that are ripped from the headlines. Are you ready to get your tabloid news on? Inquiring minds want to know, is it time to start this podcast? It sure is. Let's begin. Welcome to this episode of the Pop Trash Podcast. I'm Eric Griggs. And I'm Mike Jones. Each episode, we take a pop topic and trash talk it, but with love, of course. Ooh, and that's why we don't go for second best, baby. We put our love of pop culture to the test. <laughs> okay, Madonna. You know, there was actually a 1994 TV movie about Madonna. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. How did I miss that? I don't know, but Dean Stockwell played her father, Tony. Oh, father. Why? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> We're not talking Madonna, though, but we are going back to the 90s today, which I think is kind of cool, to discuss two TV movies that were among the biggest and most salacious news stories of the day. Does anyone even still say ripped from the headlines anymore since like 12 people subscribe to newspapers? I don't think so, but I have a subscription to Closer Magazine, you know? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just picturing you ripping headlines out of Closer. <laughs> Megan Mullally once said that the people who subscribe to that, it should be called Closer to Death. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably true. Ripped from the headlines there is like, uh, Marion Ross woke up today. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like 15 questions with Don Knotts' hairdresser. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I subscribe. It's, yeah, sure, yeah. it's the hard-hitting news of the day. <laughs> That's true. After reading all the real headlines, it's like the one thing you want to read. Oh, man. Oh, God. Do you yeah. love these, like, rip-from-the-headlines, like, tabloid news that kind of became the weekly viewing event? I have a ambivalent feeling about them. I Watching them, we've been spending a lot of time on the podcast recently in the 90s, and it, it's... It's like love-hate, I think. How about you? You love-hate the 90s or you love-hate? I love-hate, like, both. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like the two we're going to talk about today were actually, like, major stories in the 1990s. Mm -hmm. I, it, like, you couldn't check out at a grocery store without seeing headlines mm -hmm. about these things. Yeah, or watch late-night TV. I remember Jay Leno doing so many jokes about uh, both of these that it was it was the fodder of the comedy of the day. And I think that's part of my love-hate relationship, revisiting and rewatching these. Uh, I don't know. I There's something kind of charming about them in the sense that I feel like they're very much a time capsule of mm -hmm. 20th century television. But I also then think there's this like shadow side where they're the reason we have garbage reality television today yeah. and i don't think we'd have like court tv or mm -hmm. tmz as a news channel if we didn't have these rip from the headlines movies from the 80s and 90s oh i agree i think the most recent example of this was the johnny depp amber heard trial mm. 
that seems like it was just kind of analogous to what we're going to talk about today of what was happening and then like making you know the public just crave the next morsel of the story there's a level of like oh my gosh if we can be the first to kind of tell this salacious story mm -hmm. you know we'll we'll you know get millions of viewers All right, so the two movies we're talking about, who remembers Amy Fisher and Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan? Ooh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> but I bet nowadays a lot of people would not know who Amy Fisher is. I think many more people know Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding because of the Olympics, but the I, Tanya movie is much more recent. Well, and both of them competed on Dancing with the Stars, too, I think. Oh, did they? Was Amy Fisher a dancer with the no, Stars? No, Tanya Harding! Oh, <laughs> I know she went into porn, but I did not know she went on Dancing with the Stars. Wait, Tanya Harding went into porn? No, well, she might have, but Amy <laughs> Fisher did. Oh, my God. <laughs> you have to ask yourself about every celebrity did they do porn or were they just <laughs> dancing with the stars <laughs> so the first tv movie that we're going to talk about today is the amy fisher story from 1993 and if you seek amy fisher stories this is the one for you. <laughs> Mike, what's it all about? <laughs> what's it all about, baby? Uh, <laughs> well, you know, in the early 90s, you couldn't escape two names, Amy Fisher and Joey Buttafuoco. And, and basically all you need to know is this. Amy Fisher was a teenager who fell in love with an older man and took a gun and shot that older man's wife. And it just became tabloid fodder. Amy Fisher was dubbed the Long Island Lolita. This has to happen routinely in small towns, right? Why, why this story? <laughs> I think it is the type of thing where it's just like, it's got all the components of a court TV type story that people mm -hmm. just want to watch. But what made the TV movie even more interesting, or I guess I should say TV movies, because every network wanted to tell this story mm -hmm. for ratings, for to get ahead of the other networks, who knows, CBS, ABC, NBC, all wanted in on it. And they all three released TV movies, you know, within a week of each other. NBC went first in December 92. And then ABC and CBS aired movies on the same night uh, about Amy <laughs> Fisher in January of 1993. And uh, we're going to talk about the ABC one, mostly because it was the most watched mm -hmm. and I think is also the most famous. And the reason for that is two words, Drew Barrymore. Oh, yes. And, you know, watching this, I really couldn't decide. Is the acting good or is it bad? Or is it good, bad? I just really was thrown for a loop. I was also like trying to decipher her Long Island accent that came and went <laughs> and wasn't really Long Island. What did, what did you think of Drew? Yeah, the, the accent is funny. She actually talks about that. So Drew Barrymore has a talk show now and she she had on as a guest Alyssa Milano, who played Amy Fisher on the CBS one, literally opposite Drew Barrymore the same <laughs> night. And they both kind of laughed about playing Amy Fisher at the same time. And they showed clips of them both doing it. And Drew said to Alyssa, you you can do the accent. And Alyssa's like, well, of course, I grew up in Brooklyn. I can handle like a, <laughs> you know the accent, the Long Island accent. But I still think there's a comic edge. Like this wasn't, even though this was ripped from the headlines and is mm -hmm. obviously about a, a you know an attempted murder, we should note that Mary Jo Buttafuoco doesn't die, which is good. Mm -hmm. But 
it, it, there's a level of like comic campiness, I think, to Drew's performance. And, you know, you can kind of get it in some of the lines, like where she's driving in the car and just goes, I'm in the mood for eggplant Parmesan. <laughs> <laughs> Subtle innuendo there. <laughs> Maybe there's an authenticity, even though she didn't get the, the accent right. There's an authenticity of like, Drew was a wild child, right? You know, sex, drugs, rock and roll as she grew up a child star that I bet this role was attractive to her, but it just doesn't kind of go there. It doesn't have the edge or the darkness that the Drew should have brought to it. So like you said, it kind of lands as this middle of the road, not intended to be comedy, but kind of comes off in that way. Well, but I'm not exactly surprised by that. In the it's it's worth watching the interview with Drew and Alyssa Milano because they're both actresses of the same generation. Mm-hmm. They were both teenagers in the late 80s, early 90s. And they both basically were like, we had to take jobs like this to keep working in the sure. industry. Yeah. And and they're not like ashamed about it. Mm-hmm. It was what it needed, you know, it's like they did what they could and they auditioned for parts. They both actually auditioned for the role that Winona Ryder got in Beetlejuice. They talk about oh. that. That was huh. really funny. Um, they both, uh, Drew did a movie called Poison Ivy. Mm-hmm. A year Remember before it? this, right? Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. And then Alyssa did Poison Ivy too, which is awesome. <laughs> she did. And yet Uma Thurman really nailed Poison Ivy, if you ask me. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> so I think the other reason why this Amy Fisher TV movie also had such kind of like draw and 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 eyeballs on it was because Drew Barrymore was only 17 when she made this. Really? And yes, which makes her sort of a a, a Lolita quote unquote figure. Hmm. And there are scenes in this where they're mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah, I was surprised. They're a yeah. little salacious, just like the story. Yes, exactly. And so to have a 17-year-old do those scenes was quite provocative at the time. Um, I don't think it would happen today. Probably not. I don't think you could actually get yeah. away with that today. Yeah. And Drew Barrymore does talk a little bit about this. Like it was, um, you know, what it, it this was something she, a role she wanted to do mm-hmm. to, you know, push her boundaries. And she also, you know, you mentioned this sort of like that wild child's kind of mm-hmm. reputation. It makes, yeah, it makes sense. She went on Conan O'Brien in one of the earliest, like, you know, episodes of his late night show to talk about portraying Amy Fisher. And, you know, Conan O'Brien goes, you know, of the three Amy Fishers, yours was the best. And I I think people kind of agreed with that, largely Mm -hmm. because it was also the the highest rated in terms of number of viewers. Except Uh, for Amy Fisher herself was like, ah, I'm the best Amy Fisher. (laughs) See me next season on Dancing with the Stars. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, Mike, how did reviewers, how did critics um, feel about this Amy Fisher movie? Well, you know, Conan, like I said, Conan said it, it was his favorite, but not many other people like loved any of these Amy Fisher movies. Esquire <laughs> called this movie a special sort of burning trash whose flames burn <laughs> a mile high. <laughs> but she, so the ratings were high. It aired on January 3rd, 1993, uh, which was a Sunday. So you sure as shit know the most watched program was 60 freaking minutes. <laughs> One of these episodes, we are going to find the TV movie that beat 60 minutes. (laughs) All right, so Amy Fisher might have been one of the biggest stories of 92, 93, but it pales in comparison to Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. 
They are central figures in Tanya and Nancy, the inside story. Eric, what is Tanya and Nancy all about? Well, if you were an Olympic figure skating watcher of the 90s, you couldn't avoid the story of competing figure skaters, Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. Tanya Harding got involved with Jeff Galuli. He and this cast of characters ends up kneecapping Nancy Kerrigan. It becomes a giant news story. How much Tanya Harding knew at the time was in question. Again, as we've mentioned, the hard copies, the current affairs kept this news story in the news. It affected their skating careers. The movie kind of starts more or less with the... um... The clubbing, for lack of a better way of describing it. (laughs) I think most people will remember the retelling of the story in the recent movie, I, Tanya, with Margot Robbie playing the Tanya Harding character. This aired April of 1994 on NBC. So big broadcast TV movie. Mm -hmm. They used a ton of public domain material for this. So Mm -hmm. you see some clips that are really Tanya and Nancy in this. Mm -hmm. I was struck by how many story beats from this TV movie were included in I, Tanya. This TV movie, Tanya and Nancy, the inside story is kind of like the first draft, more or less. Mm-hmm. And then what you get down the road, you know, decades later is a really polished, amazing, you know, piece of art. So this story is sort of told from the perspective of a like, mm-hmm. sports journalist, basically. Mm-hmm. But there's also this Greek chorus of other characters mm-hmm. who kind of do the whole like modern family talk to the camera thing. And it's interesting to see you have like relatives of Tanya, coaches, people who knew, you know, Nancy from the the skating rink and all that kind of stuff who kind of like chime in. And that's kind of the beauty of these based on a true story or rip from the headlines things that they have the leeway to create these scenes that probably never happened, but they create that dramatic effect that underpins the facts that we know about the story, right? Yeah, totally. These types of current affair, hard copy stories that these movies are based on is basically telling us these are the facts. This is what happened. This is how you should view it. But to try and say, hey, there are gray areas in it. They did really well, I think, in this TV movie of representing the actual characters if it's based on a true story. Are they good people? Are they bad people? Well, they're people, you know, and they made some good choices, some bad choices. And like, at least this movie was trying to break out of that. Even though it kind of does tell a little bit of the story from different angles, it also still feels, you mentioned this in the intro, you kind of want to take a shower after this one too. But the breakout star in this and I, Tanya is Tanya Harding's mom. I mean, we all love her. Here, she's played by Susan Clark. <gasps> Who's Susan Clark, Mike? She's Mrs. Papadopoulos from <laughs> <Yes. Wester. laughs> And also a, probably a villain from Columbo. She is one of the, <laughs> one of the best in that series, I gotta tell you. <laughs> so was she a villain in Columbo before she was Mrs. Papadopoulos on Webster? Yes, yes, definitely. So let's talk about Susan Clark more. And didn't, <laughs> didn't Allison Jan Janney win an Academy Award for playing Lavana Harding? Alice and Janney won an Academy Award, and I would argue that Susan Clark should have at least been Emmy nominated. She should have been Emmy nominated. I mean, this is like the role. This is the type of role and character that is just, you want to watch more. I want to watch the made-for-TV movie of Lavana Harding's story <laughs> in her life, right? I, I wish they would have actually beefed up the character a little bit mm-hmm. in this, because she doesn't have a ton of screen time. Right. There is a point where she, you know, they do an interview style where the characters are talking to the camera, and she she 
she is saying like, of course I pushed her hard, but I wanted better for her. I wasn't your average ice queen's mom. Where'd you think she would have been if I hadn't been on her all the time, huh? Cooking French fries in some burger joint, like me. So you kind of see the humanity of where she was coming from. She was verbally abusive and probably a terrible mom. And you see that in I, Tanya, but you're attracted to it because deep down, it, it is that making choices and doing the best with what they had. Well, this is also why this story, I think, has like such a mythology to it, because you have Tanya as kind of like the working class, quote unquote, girl from Oregon. And Nancy is like the people's princess from Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And so their their backgrounds, their their the lives they led couldn't feel more different. And in some ways, their styles, right? Tanya was like an athletic. I, I mean, I say this word complimentary, like a bulldozer, right? Like she had such raw athletic power, whereas Nancy had the grace and the style and the the everything you think a figure skater mm -hmm. like a Dorothy Hamill or a Christy Yamaguchi mm -hmm. or even um even like a Katarina Witt would have it was the second most watched uh show in its time slot it lost to Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman really <laughs> it did, yeah yeah please i think in 10 years you're probably going to go down a rabbit hole where you're like how did i not know all this wonderful stuff about dr quinn medicine oh 100 percent. <laughs> yeah as soon as i finish up my dvd of mannix <laughs> <laughs> Well, so those are very too ripped from the headlines or ripped from current events, TV movies. There were tons more, and we're not going to talk about a lot of these, but I did want to do just a little quiz, Eric, to see if I give you maybe the celebrity in them and maybe the uh, a little bit of the plot synopsis to see if you could actually guess the the current event that, that was the subject of this TV movie. Are you ready to play? Oh, I can't wait. All right. There's six of them here. We'll see how many you get. All right. First up, Karen Allen... Barry Bostwick and a very young Angela Bassett star as astronauts on a doomed mission. Oh, uh, the Challenger. Explosion. It was the Challenger. Yes, a challenge. It was literally just called the Challenger from 1990. Ooh. Uh, I know. All right. Second one. So you're one for one. Second one. Tim Daly from Wings. You might know him as Tyne Daly's younger brother. <laughs> yes. Is a cult leader who has an infamous standoff with the FBI in Texas. Uh, the Waco incident. Yes, it was. He played David Koresh, the infamous Waco cult leader. Ooh, the Branch Davidians, I think they were called. Mm -hmm. All right, two for two. Let's see if you get three. And interestingly, this movie was produced by Campbell's Soup Company, which I don't know why, <laughs> especially when you hear what it is the current event is. But it stars... Andy Warhol. <laughs> <laughs> but it does star Bo Bridges and Patty Duke, among others, in a story about a child who was playing in her aunt's backyard one minute and the next became among the most talked about news stories of 1987. Baby Jessica who fell into the well. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I think I found my calling. <laughs> it was called Everybody's Baby, The Rescue of Jessica McClure. Oh my goodness. Ooh. All right, they get a little harder here. I think this one you might struggle with. We'll see. William Holden and Shirley Knight are among the cast of a TV movie chronicling one of the most infamous events to happen at a 20th century sporting event. That doesn't give me a lot to go on. I know. I'm going to say 
It did take place in the 1970s. Oh, the 1970s. Oh, it's the uh, the Munich thing. The... It is the Munich bombing at the yeah. Olympics. It's called 21 Hours at Munich. All right, two more. Let's see if you get it. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is a 1980 Playboy Playmate of the Year whose life ends tragically. Uh, death of a Centerfold. It is Death of a Centerfold. How did you know that? Because <laughs> I know my Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> it is Death of a Centerfold, The Life of Dorothy Stratton. Oh my God, Holy I haven't moly. missed one yet. Oh, you I, have the, the pressure is on. All right, this is it. This is it, the last one. Um, ooh, I'm trying to think, should I make it even harder for you? No, no, no please I'll, make I'll, it I easy. Make it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Waking up today was hard enough for yeah, you. <laughs> I, I, I have so few wins in my life. Could you please give me those? <laughs> all right, all right, last one. A decade before Charlize Theron would win an Oscar for playing the same character, Gene Smart and Park Overall star in a movie about what infamous serial killer? Uh, 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 Mrs. Butterworth. It's, it's, it's something like that. It's Anna Wintour. It sounds no, like but you're, actually you have the initials. I'll give you. Yeah. I'll give it to you. You got the initials. It is Aileen Warnos. Aileen Warnos. Yeah. 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 So the Aileen Warnos story, who she was eventually executed by the state of Florida, and yeah, before Charlize Theron won an Oscar, Gene Smart played her. Wow. Look I at know. all those TV movies. I mean that that just goes to show that like. I, I was young when a lot of those things happened, but like the news being on in the background just somehow sinks into your consciousness, right? Totally. And, and like I think in a way that maybe it doesn't now, right? Because pe the media is just so split. If we want to really go down the rabbit hole of social commentary. I wonder if like the fact that everybody is chasing celebrity now and like anyone can be a content creator and put their self forward, not their authentic self, but who they want the world to, to see them as. I mean, we have Kardashians because of it, because that family knew no press is bad press. You know, anything I do can be served up. You can love me or hate me, but you'll still talk about me. That brings us to the end of another episode of the Pop Trash Podcast. If you're still listening, we sure would appreciate a like and a subscribe. And if you want more pop trash, head over to poptrashmuseum.com. You can also dig up more pop culture nostalgia on the garbage heap we call social media. We're on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back in two more weeks to uncover more gems from the TV movie universe. Until then, may all your Foucault's be buttered. <laughs> and all your Lulis be gilded. <laughs> <laughs> no.